0: Hello, everyone. Hope you are doing well. Welcome to episode number eight of Love is Your Medicine podcast. Today, I'll be talking on the subject You Have a Choice. And every day, we're confronted with uh, different circumstances different challenges, different obstacles. We have a choice to make. What am I talking about? Well, stick around and let's get into this subject on episode number eight. Welcome to Love is Your Medicine podcast. I am Mitch Wright, your host for the uh, next few moments. I appreciate you uh, tuning in, listening to another episode. We are at episode number eight. It's already the middle of January. I can't believe it. Time is just moving right along. Time stops for no one. Uh, You may have noticed I missed a week in releasing episode number eight. Ah, It's just been busy and hectic, a lot going on uh, in our lives lately. So I needed a week to kind of clear my head, take some mental time for myself to uh, just regroup, reassess, refocus. Nothing wrong with doing it. Uh, We all need to do that from time to time. So I always want the information I bring to you to be of use, of value. So, yeah, I just needed to take a week for myself to uh, make sure that my next episode would be uh, a good one. After all, you're taking time out of your busy schedule or uh, giving me the opportunity to talk to you about things that's on my mind. And like I said, I hope that uh, you find value in it. So you have a choice. I was thinking over the weekend what I wanted to talk about next. And I think this is something that always stands out to me. Um, Each one of us individually has a choice that we make. And, okay, yeah, we have different choices every day. You know, what are we going to wear? What are we going to eat? Uh, what are we going to do later on? What am I doing after work? But I'm talking about deeper choices. Uh, for instance, say you were raised. Uh, you know, you endured abuse when you were younger. How does that affect you now? Uh, how did it mold you? Did it mess with your thinking, uh, with how you treat others? maybe even your spouse or your children you know what if you grew up in a a not so great environment does that mold you or or keep you in neutral or do you make choices to change that so that's what I'm referring to excuse me on this episode you have a choice uh, because let's face it, many of us, if not all, you know either <clears throat> excuse me where we grew up or who we grew up around, it may not have been the greatest circumstances. Uh, we may not have had the greatest opportunities. you know and some people uh, that stays with them. the anger, the bitterness, and when you hold on to uh, all that negativity and the anger and the bitterness is, is going to show up in your life every day. It's going to matter uh, when it comes to your relationships, family, uh, your workmates, your classmates. <clears throat> so it, it's things that we have to work through throughout our life. Uh, some people get in negative situations and they just keep their mind there in that state of negativity but it takes effort it it's a fight every day to get your mind space where it needs to be um, and that's on a positive uh, level <laughs> excuse me I have like a, a little frog in my throat today the weather isn't helping. Um, so, like, yeah, like I mentioned on my first episode, I was born in Chicago. So, even though um, my parents, they tried to keep us in a, a environment where we could do good, um, my siblings and I, and there were still things around us. Um, that were negative you know I grew up on the west side of Chicago and you know some spots can be they were rough Um, you know bad environments bad people crime gangs so in 1977 no no I'm sorry I'm jumping the gun we moved from kind of like the inner city west side and then we moved to an area uh, more West, uh, in Chicago. And we were the first, I, I want to say, this is around 1975. I was five years old. Uh, just started kindergarten. So we moved to this block that was a little more West of the city. And we were the first, uh, black family on that street. So the first night we're there, uh, someone threw a Molotov cocktail through our window and we had double-paned windows and the police, uh, when they came out, they said the flame, you know, no doubt went out between the uh, two panes of glass. So it went through the first Uh, pane of glass and then flame probably went out but then it came through the second uh, pane of glass and landed in our living room so you know I'm young I don't really fully understand what's going on I just know that there's a bunch of police uh, Chicago police coming in and out of our apartment and this is you know like late at night Um, later on as I grew up My parents was telling me that, um, because I don't know how familiar you are with Chicago, but they were like race riots, um, in the sixties. And so, you know, there was still tension between the races. So my parents, (coughs) excuse me, my parents said, not only did the police come, uh, but there was an FBI agent that came and also, um, some members of the NAACP. So it was just like this huge ordeal. Uh, But we stayed and, uh, you know, eventually we got to know some of the neighbors. Um, You know, and I I, I looked at how my parents dealt with it. You know, they, um, of course, it was unsettling but that didn't stop how we lived our life. And we we stayed there uh, for a couple of years. And then, like I said, in 1977, excuse me, we moved um, to a suburb out just right outside of Chicago called Maywood. So we moved to Maywood and it was more uh, African-Americans there, but it was still like a mixed community. But I I think back to that event uh, when I was five and, and, you know, in later in life, and as I tell you this, um, it played a part in my my thinking and my mindset. That event that happened uh, in our apartment when I was uh, five years old. So we lived in the the suburb of Maywood. Um, Moved there in 77. Then in 1983, my father's job moved us to Houston, Texas. Totally, you know, a a different environment. Uh, You're you're going from just a a predominantly black area to down south. We were in the southwest in Houston. And for the most part, it was, you know, it was was good. I knew uh, just from talking to people we met and knew and, you know, some friends, it was a part of Houston that we stayed away from, uh, which was east, Uh, just the like the extreme east part of Houston. We kind of steered clear. But again, my parents, uh, like they always wanted to do, they kept us In a mixed community, they always wanted us to be able to get along with anyone, which was great. You know, it it just, I feel that helps a person in life um, when they're used to just getting along with anyone. So Houston was where I, we lived there. um, I was 13 when we moved there. And when I was nineteen, uh, my father's job, they wanted to move us to Atlanta, and that's how we came uh, to be in Atlanta. So we lived in the suburbs west of Atlanta. It was about twenty miles west of Atlanta. So this was a predominantly white area, rural. You know, most of the area was rural. So they kind of, even moving there, (coughs) we knew a family from Houston and they were kind of telling us about the area. And um, the sheriff there didn't have the best of reputations uh, when it came to dealing with other races. But, you know, we had been through so much being in Chicago and Houston. So, you know, we, we're just going to live our lives as normal. So I remember I got, a, um, my first car was a Mustang and it was like a, a, flashy Mustang. It was when I saw it, I fell in love with it. It was, uh, in the showroom and it was a black car had a gold racing stripe up the middle at gold rims you know so it was just all decked out first car so when i get it my father told me he was like i just want you to be careful when you're driving especially at night make sure you know you you don't speed just you know just be careful and i'm like oh let's no big deal. What's going to happen? You know, this city is like compared to where we're from, this is small, you know, no, no problem. So he just kind of looked at me and was like, okay, just be careful. I didn't really pick up what he was putting down. So one night we're leaving our um, religious meeting and. I you know I drove along my family, they uh, the three of them were in their car. I was in my Mustang and we're headed home. I was going. I think I was going to uh, like McDonald's or something before I went home. So I'm going down one of the main streets of the city we live in. And I'm going thirty five and the speed limit is thirty five. I'm listening to um, some old school hip hop, just having a good time. And a, I, I notice a police car going the opposite direction. And like I said, I'm not worried. I'm not speeding or anything. But we kind of made eye contact and I kept driving. Look in my mirror and he flips a U-turn. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. He shoots up behind me, turns on his lights. I pull in the um, parking lot, like right next to a gas station. And I just kind of already know This, you know, from experience, I don't get anything until they get up to the car. My window is down. We acknowledge each other. And, you know, of course, he's asking for license, registration. And I let them know, you know, okay, my license is in my pocket. I'm going to get it. And then my registration is in the glove box. He's like, okay, get it. And, you know, he's shining his flashlight, watching what I'm doing so the car is so new that I still just had all the paperwork from the uh, point of sale and the registration was in there so I give him uh, my license all that paperwork he just tells me he'll be back the whole while I'm just you know it's, it's kind of weird the way he approached me the way it hit his mannerisms the way he's looking at me the way he's talking to me I felt uncomfortable but I'm glad that I pulled over in a public area on a big uh, four-lane highway. So after a few minutes, I see his flashlight coming back. He he didn't even hand my things back to me. He threw them on my lap, turned his flashlight off, walked away, got back in his car and drove off. No explanation or anything. I was livid, you know, and then it hit me. My father's words. Be careful. Then it made sense. You see, my father, he came up in a time in uh, Mississippi. Um, you know, he was born in the 40s, but then he was a teen in the 50s in Mississippi. So they went through just. A lot. They saw a lot. They had to deal with a lot. Um, he said it was just a scary time. I know you have probably heard of like Emmett Till. Uh, you know, getting uh, killed for what was later found out to be a lie, and he got murdered, t- taken from his family and murdered. You know, that was in Mississippi, so. My father just came up in a different time. So when he was telling me to be careful, that's when it hit me. That's what dad meant. You're in a totally different environment from what you're used to. You're going to have to be extra careful how you handle yourself, how you move around. So that occasion stuck with me. Just I, I would say I was letting it go. it festered and I would be upset Uh, so then we fast forward a little bit more and you know at this point I'm married uh, have my son and so I'm working at a job Uh, I started working at a job locating underground utilities and it was a it was a nice job you know I had a company vehicle uh, I got to be outside a lot. My office was basically, um, the vehicle that I worked from a lot of driving. Um, so it was a fun job. Eventually I moved up the branch manager he and I got along very well. Eventually I get bumped up, uh, to a lead. And in that company, a lead was right under a supervisor. So the, my supervisor, you know, great guy. Uh, we got along very well. Uh, we teased each other a lot about our different cultures. Uh, you know, cause he, he was a Caucasian. And, um, you know, we had a nice time. We liked each other. Branch manager, we had a good time. I get in uh, some days after work from being out in the field. And he and I would just talk um, 15 minutes, half an hour, just talking and laughing. So, I, you know, it, it, it was great. I got promoted to a lead. I was a lead for about, I would say about two months. This gentleman moved um, from another state. I want to say Kentucky or Arkansas, somewhere like that. And he was on, he was in, in our team, but he threw the hugest fit daily. Because he, he did the same type of work where he moved from, but he was a, su- a supervisor. He felt like he had more experience than me, more qualifications, and he was very vocal about it. You know, he would tell me that all the time. And yeah, I, I saw him in the branch manager's office sometime. Other coworkers would tell me he was always talking to uh, our supervisor. You know, about the same thing day in and day out. He was more qualified. Why am I the lead? He should be the lead. Do you know? In about a month after that. They demoted me back uh, to just a regular technician. And he became lead. Again, I was livid. You know, I went to my supervisor, and he's heeing and hawing, and oh, go, go talk to the branch manager. I did not really agree with it, but you know, just keep on chugging along. That's what he told me. So I go talk to the branch manager, and he couldn't even look me in the eyes, and basically, he just said, "I'm I'm sorry. I think you're a great uh, worker. It is what it is. Just keep working hard." So. Again, I'm livid. Here's another thing under my belt uh, where it's negative about race, and I'm just not saying it's I'm not throwing out the race card. I heard things that he said about me behind my back, Uh, the guy that moved from out of state. With him, it was very race related, the things that he said. And I I brought it up to my supervisor. I brought it up to the branch manager. And they just kind of gave me the, you know, we're going to sweep it under the rug. You can either keep working or find employment elsewhere. So, again, this is something that's in the back of my head. I try to let it go, but it's festering. And, you know, it. I got to the point where I was always, uh, being negative about it. Um, and I wasn't brought up that way to, to feel a certain type of way about any race, you know, we're the human race, all bleed red. We're all imperfect. We all get sick. We can all die. So, I wasn't raised to think that one race was superior than another one, but because of negative things that happened in my life, you know, starting from the age of five and and then things in Houston and then things in Georgia, you know, it, it affected me. I went to a job interview and, you know, I really wanted this job and this, this is in Georgia still. And I've been told that I sound totally different, you know, on, on the phone. Like some people are surprised when they see me. So I, I had a uh, my application, had a phone interview and phone interview with the general manager went well. So he said, OK, next step is in person interview. We set that up. Both of us are excited to meet face to face. I walked in. Told the receptionist, you know, who I was, why I was there. <clears throat> she she just kind of looked at me. She called the uh, general manager. Said I was there. And, you know, she used my name. So he goes, oh, I'll be right up. I have a seat. He comes out where I'm waiting. He looks at me and he looks around. And he was like, well, where is he? And she was like, that's him right there. And he was like, oh, and we had the interview. We went, I went back to his office with him and he even told me, he was like, I was not expecting uh, to see you. And I didn't, you know, I know what he's talking about, so I played silly. I'm like, what do you mean? You you weren't expecting to see, like, what what are you talking about? And he didn't want to answer my question, but I knew good and well what he was talking about. Uh, you know, because I've had people tell me before that some people, they just I sound white on the phone. And then my name, my last name, you know, they just but not expecting me and that's for, you know, some people, not everyone, but you know, that stuck with me too. Needless to say, I did not get the job. <laughs> I didn't even figure I would. You know, halfway through the interview, I even told myself, I was like, you are not getting this job, even though, you know, on the phone interview, I was highly qualified. He just needed to meet me in person. So again, I had something negative that was stuck in my head. And then when we get away from those type of uh, instances uh, situations, then, you know, I have other things in my past, uh, things I mentioned in episode three, you know, about uh, being hurt by someone I used to love, you know, as a relative that's in my mind and again you know you try to let it go try to put it behind me but it's still festering you know so i have all these negative things and i'm not even telling you all the um great experiences because of the color of my skin that i had in georgia but you know again it is what it is. I'm not holding any grudges now. Uh, I'm in a much better space uh, mentally about all of that. But for a while, it did affect me a, a great deal. It affected how I looked at myself. It affected how I treated others, you know. Um, and I didn't say things that I was not proud of. Because, like I said, I wasn't raised to not like a specific race. You know, I was raised to love everyone. Um, And that's a big part of my faith. You know, God is not uh, partial to one race or, um, you know, ethnicity. And that's what he wants and expects of us. Uh, to be the same way. So, uh, you know, that would weigh on my mind too. Um, the way I was treating people, the way I was talking to people. You know, just mean and rude. Was because of how bitter I was at different experiences in my life. So I, I had to have just a long, heart, talk with myself, you know, and that's what it takes to realize that we have a problem somewhere, be honest with ourselves and take steps uh, to fix it, to rectify it. So as I always say, things don't happen overnight, you know, we we have to take things day by day. So I had to make a choice to be different. Yes, I grew up in, you know, some situations weren't ideal, you know, with what I saw, with what I was around. I went to school with gang members. Um, and that, that's totally hard because I'm going to school certain people who you know they're affiliated with one gang other people uh relatives and friends they're associated with another gang and you you know you have all this these outside influences you know telling you, you better not hang with this gang you better not you know be seen with that gang and it's you know these are violent people uh You know i had to deal with that one day i'm walking to school me and my friend and it's a i would say you know a teen he was he had to be like 17 or 18 and he's yelling on the side of a house uh to his friend his friend comes to the window lifts it up like what do you want and he was like hey i need that piece and you know me and my friend we're young we're like in third or fourth grade and we're just walking real slow looking at him and he's like okay I'll be right back and he comes back with a a pistol and just drops it to him and was like I need it back tonight and then they kind of looked at us and we just like turned our head straight kept walking and you know they yelled something like yeah you better keep walking you know these are the, the things some of the things that I saw I've seen people get you know beat with sticks and like motorcycle chains, you know, with little kids walking to school. And these are some of the things we saw. Um, and then, you know, I have that type of, those type of uh, memories. I have the memories of people, you know, uh, whatever hangups they have against race. Uh, projecting that against me or loved ones you know I have I have those memories and it's just all of these things and they can make you bitter uh, They can make you not like people or treat people mean they can make you prejudge people and you know you getting you might slip into that mindset of that's how they all are you know no matter what group we're talking about and you know that's that's not how it should be so I have to have some serious you know fixing in my head uh, mentally you know to realize everyone is not like that there are sad to say there are bad people in every race every ethnicity um We have to find the good in everyone. If we can't, or if they're not a positive person or positive influence, then we have to get rid of them in our lives. But I had to make the choice to, like, every day find positive things. Like, yes, you've had some negative things happen. You've had negative things said to you. You know, I've been called the N word before. Um, But I'm not going to let that define who I am. I'm not going to be this forever angry person. Just mad at the world. You know, that's just not me. It's not who I am, but that's who I started to slowly become. And it affected uh, relationships. You know, it re- affected my inner peace my inner happiness and when you're in that headspace you're just not going to do well in life you know things are going to suffer relationships are going to suffer you are suffering and what's the name of my podcast love is your medicine so you know that's one of the ways we can care for ourselves and love ourselves is by the choices we make How we choose to live our life. You know, when negative things happen. How do you respond? Do you stay in that headspace? In a self-pity or negative headspace and let that dictate your life? Or do you make the choice to be different? If you've been raised, say, in an abusive environment when you were young, you have a choice you know i've had, i've known people on both sides of the coin i've had people that say this is how I was raised and this is how I'm going to raise my children in a you know a harsh abusive environment and then i've known people uh, that say i was raised in an abusive environment i did not like it i would never put my children through that. I choose to, even if I do get upset or angry, to not physically harm my children. I choose not to say things that will hurt them emotionally or mentally. Mentally. You know, they make the choice to be different. Because we all have choices. We can either continue the cycle of negativity of things that happen to us or we can make that change we can be that change uh, you know the way we say it stops here and I choose to live in a, a positive way. you know I want to be remembered as a positive person someone who helped people not hinder people. So that's what I was getting at when I said, We all have choices to make. And believe me, I know it's not easy to, you know, forget things. In a way, we all, so we can't dwell on them, on negative thoughts. But, you know, sometimes we need to remember. You know, it's a a phrase I always like to uh, say that I heard before. Um, you, you know, you have to know where you come from so you can see where you're at. So we each were molded and influenced by certain things in our lives, positive and negative. So it's up to us to decipher all of that and let it build us Uh, you know those negative things what did you learn from them what can you do to be different how can you change or how can you make changes to not be like that you know I know a lot of uh, people like in Chicago and the big cities and urban areas they feel they're stuck uh, in that environment They don't give us anything, nothing can help us, nothing can be done, and they continue cycles of violence or uh, cycles of abuse, and they feel stuck. And that's a sad situation, uh, because we all have choices we can make to make changes, to uh, change our environment. And again, it's not easy, but it can be done. I know a lot of people who've changed circumstances and their environment uh, to better themselves. So whatever we're doing, uh, whatever you're doing, make good choices. You don't have to feel stuck um, in negativity. Because take it from me, is you know, it's not a good place to be. Nothing comes good from uh, negativity or uh, just being angry and mad all the time. And remember too, we can't control other people. We can only control ourselves. So if someone is stuck in a negative way of life, you're going to have to cut them out you know it's that simple I've already told Michelle like 2024 is my year of no nonsense you know if something or someone is just a negative influence or is not making sense I'm done I'm cutting it out I have a lot of things I have to focus on this year um with family and business, this podcast. So it's, I have goals. And so I have no time for negativity from outside sources or myself, you know, so make choices that are positive, that benefit you and take it from me. Don't get stuck in negative mindset, especially from things that have happened to you in your past or things that might be happening to you currently. Uh, You have the choice to make the necessary changes that you need to. So I hope that this has helped you. Uh, If you have any questions or comments, I'd like to hear from you. My email address is mitch at com, and you can also find me on social media um, Twitter TikTok, Instagram, Facebook at Love Is Your Medicine Podcast so I would like to hear from you and hear any comments or feedback Uh, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and have found value in it Uh, think about what choices you make think of it if there are any choices that, uh, you can do differently or that you need to make changes to do differently. Um, think of positive things that you can do, um, for any negative aspects in your life. Now, you know, it's all about, um, discovering what needs to be done and putting a plan together Uh, to make changes so that's what I challenge you to do uh, today and this week is to think about any choices you need to make uh, even the hard choices to uh, create positivity and to keep and maintain positivity in your life so I wish you a great day a great week go and do great things